Back in the 70s, the mantra for teens was peace and love. In the 80s, the mantra for most teen boys was skate or die. Flash forward 20 years, and what do our youths care about? What's the Wi-Fi password? Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Password, a place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email Joshua Shively at joshuas at calvary.com. All right, you guys, um, we are going to be in Psalm 100. Um, we're not going to read it right away, but I just want you to go ahead turn there. If you want to read over it now while I'm talking, go for it. It's totally cool. The reason why I chose this psalm in the first place on this topic of worship is because it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty clear. There's not huge words in it. There's not a lot that you have to decipher or, you know, words that you have to go and define. It's pretty straightforward what worship is, how it looks, how it should be done. And so that's the why, that's why we're jumping into that. Um, I love this. I love the topic of worship. As you guys all know, I play worship. It's not something that I necessarily felt called to, but I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony as to how I came into that position. But overall, you guys know that I have a daughter. Um, we're not in middle school, <laughs> Sam. In middle school, I couldn't say her name, but you all know who my daughter is, Eliana. She's very sweet and very cute, and actually, most of you guys know her as this total tomboy girl that wears, like, all black now, right? And, like, can just, like, beat up anybody if she wants to. I think she actually was chasing a Gabe around because he said something about her being disgusting. Eater, yeah, disgusting, slobbery eater, so she was like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, before she was a tomboy, she was this teeny tiny little girl that wore pink, frilly, tutu, cupcake skirts right she had the cutest little pigtails that stuck straight up from her head um she had the cutest raspy high-pitched voice that it is so hard to like mimic but it's just it's ingrained in mine and josh's head when she starts talking in her baby voice because that's what middle schoolers do right she um it just takes me back every single time and you guys every morning something that she would do is she'd wake up and walk around the house inside and out and she would greet the plants, and she would greet us as we were going along with her. But uh, she would cup up, she would cup a leaf or two of a plant, and she'd just go, "Hi, good morning," you know, and like say hi to the bugs or anything else that was in that plant. But ultimately, what would end up happening is she'd get super excited and she'd jump for joy and just go, "Praise the Lord!" <laughs> to each plant, not even kidding, you guys, like just praise the Lord, flowers, praise the Lord, ladybug. It was the cutest thing ever. Where she ultimately got that was actually from Josh and I. Josh from a story of how Chuck Smith used to tell the plants to do it. Now, Jamie's like, Jamie's yes, I know. I can't even do his voice. I'm not going to even try. But um, the way I explained it to her was, Mommy has a black thumb. She kills everything around her. So she had caught me actually saying, praise the Lord, flowers to my plants. Because I was extolling them, extolling them to like live, not for me but for God, for the one that created them. So that way they would have a better, meaningful life. Um, and you know, and I know that's a silly analogy to use, you guys, but ultimately, we talk about worship. 
right? And when we live, when we're doing as we are created for, what we are designed for, when God's creation, plants, birds, whatever you guys want to name, when his creation is living and they're living within the frame of what God designed them and purposed for them, you guys, that's a form of worship. And so when we talk about worship, too often we actually assume that worship is something that only happens when we lift our hands, right? And when we sing during times of worship at church or in youth group or at camps, or maybe it's the car when your parents have the worship station on or even in home, right? Maybe you think worship is just when you pray. So on a scale, if I could ask you guys, throw out some numbers for me, a percentage, for a full week, what do you guys think? What's the percentage that you actually worship? What do you think? Throw out some numbers. Nobody? Shannon. Like 15%. 15% of an entire week? Okay. 10, 15%? 10, 15%? Yeah? Okay. So what I'm hoping to do with this message is to really just kind of like broaden your minds as to what worship is other than just singing worship songs. Okay, and I'm hoping that that percentage for you guys will change. And if it doesn't, then maybe you can make some changes in your life. Okay. All right, you guys really worship is so much more than just singing on a Sunday morning. Worship cannot be summed up in just one action. It's an entire lifestyle. It's a heart's cry. It's an attitude of faithfulness, willingness, and ultimately it's obedience. Okay. So before we get too deep into that, let's just pray. Father God, we just come before you tonight, Lord, as we just talk about something that ultimately you've commanded us to do, Lord, to worship you. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be here to give us understanding, to bring clarity to these words, to uh, your word, Father, that we're going to be looking at. Lord, I ask that you would help me to speak concisely, Lord, that um, my speech wouldn't be too rapid or too confusing, but instead, Lord, help me to just think clearly and to speak clearly to these kids. Ultimately, Father, I ask that your will be done tonight. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so as we're studying what worship is, I actually have three points for you guys about what worship does for us before we get into Psalms 100. Okay, so number one, if you're taking notes, worship gives us a working definition for our life. The best way to explain this and to even draw up a picture for you, I want you guys to think about a house. Middle schoolers, I had them think about this building, this outline here, okay? Every house, every building not only has a foundation, but they also have a frame. And you can kind of see the frame even here in this room, okay? You can see the walls, you can see the spacings, you can even see how the roof is angled and some of the beams that hold up these walls. Within that frame, we put our furniture. We have chairs in here, we have couches, Liam brought the cajon in, even though he's not going to play it. All right, these things are designed or created for a specific purpose for this room, right? Without that frame, our things would become scattered. They'd become lost or broken, maybe even uh, weathered by, you know, the elements outside if we didn't have, like, the roof above us, right? It's the same thing with our bodies, with our life, all right? If we don't have a frame for our lives, for our thoughts, for our feelings, our activities, everything we do becomes loose or sloppy, and it can seem to have no purpose whatsoever. So you guys kind of tracking with me with that idea? So how do we find our framework? When I say that worship gives us a working definition for our life, and then I just painted this, this idea of a framework for you, where do we find our framework? 
Where do we find our purpose, our design? Where do we learn how to stand strong and in a sense, brave the trials, the tribulations, the sufferings that this world gives us? Where do we go? What's the answer, Kiana? Jesus. Jesus. That was last week, right? Well, you guys, we go to worship. Ultimately, we go to worship. We go to church. Okay, we go to Christian camps. We go to the Bible. Hopefully, you guys are going to the Bible to really learn how to find your true purpose, find your true identity, find your true framework in the Lord and what he has designed specifically for you. And it is from those foundational truths. Okay, oops, sorry. So it's God, right, who um, reveals all those things to us. If you guys are in the word of God, if you are going to church, if you are purposely seeking him out week by week and day by day, we enter into a very specific, um, specifically built place for us where God determines, he shows us his workable frame for us, okay? That includes foundational truths such as he created you, he designed you, he's redeemed you, he's forgiven you, he loves you, and he makes it possible for you to live in this life without guilt, without shame, and with a clear purpose for what this life is, okay? You guys tracking with me? It's from those foundational truths that we gain our working definition for our lives, Again, the way that he created us and the way that he specifically leads us. We begin to understand more and know more of what our purpose is. We are then able to better worship him within that framework. Number two, worship nurtures our need to be in a relationship with God. Worship is the place where we obey the command to praise God, okay? To give thanks to God. We kind of hit on that in our small groups. Like, what does it mean? What does worship mean to you? to give thanks to God. All throughout the Old and New Testament, a common command is, is repeated. It's repeated approximately about 250 times, you guys. 250 times we read commands or declarations regarding praising the Lord. Anytime the Bible mentions, mentions something like that, specifically that many amount of times, like, you guys, that's something worth looking into. Why are you praising the Lord? Why are you saying I should do this? Why... Is there this command, okay? To understand this concept of praising God, let's look at our earthly parents. Twice a year, hopefully you guys do it more. We had a middle schooler on Sunday who was like, you should do it every day. Like, yes. But literally, you guys, twice a day on our U.S. calendar, we acknowledge our parents. That's on Mother's Day and that's on Father's Day. Okay, if you are that kid that gives your parents um, a Valentine on Valentine's Day, then cool, add that one in there too, right? Hopefully the idea is that you do it more. But ultimately, we acknowledge them. And imagine you wish to praise your parents. Are you going to go up to them and go, praise God? No, you're not. (laughs) That'd be a little weird. Can you imagine Seth running up to Josh and saying that? Josh's response would be like, okay, child, go to bed, you know, or go eat something. What's wrong with you, right? We wouldn't do that. That's not our nature or the correct way that we would acknowledge our parents and then even thank them for what they have done in our lives. Rather, the way that we would go to our dad is probably like, hey, dad, thank you for being there for me. Thank you for showing me compassion. Thank you for showing me love. If we went to our moms, maybe it would look something like, hey, mom, thank you so much for always listening to me and always loving on me, always helping me in the moments that I need help. Excuse me. The command to praise God is just that. It's a command to praise him. Now, this can be misunderstood 
or a little confusing because it's not just about singing. It's not just about praying, singing or praying even here, okay? It's a conscious activity, okay? We do that by saying praiseworthy things about him, thanking him for what he has done or is doing in our lives. You guys get that? So the kind of the same idea of like, you want to just walk up to God and go, just say the words, praise God. The response would be, well, why? Why are you here? Why are you praising me? You know, what is it exactly that I have done for you? To give you guys some examples of this, I have some scriptures for you. All throughout our Bible, that just like constant scriptures that talk about who he is, what he's done. So Psalms 117 verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord for his merciful kindness is great towards us and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Psalms 150 verse 2. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Isaiah 25 verse 1. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. And, and then there's Luke 18 verse 43. And all the people, when they saw it, the healing of a blind man. They gave praise to God. You guys, this is reality, okay? That is the truth of our lives. That when God made us, even when he redeems us, when he provides for us, the natural response from us should be to praise him, to thank him, to glorify him. Now, I know some of you guys don't feel like praising God all the time. That's okay because I'm there too. I have that same struggle as you guys do, and that's okay. Sometimes it's, we say things like, well, it would be dishonest of me to worship God when I'm feeling this way. And you guys can fill in the blank. Okay? Or sometimes we say, well, I totally sinned this week. Or I've really been messing up. Or my thoughts or my actions have just not been lining up with God's truth. So really I shouldn't praise God because then that just makes me a hypocrite. Right? You guys know. That's not true at all. I once had a girl tell me that she couldn't truly worship God unless she was on the worship team leading worship and to that that's like what do you mean by that that's worship is not supposed to be a feeling okay that you just you go with your feelings okay we should praise god no matter how we're feeling whether we're feeling low or happy okay whether we feel like a hypocrite or we're just like man i'm in a good place i'm solid right now because the fact is you guys god is asking for your worship because he never changes. His truths always stand. Everything he's ever done for us and will do for us remains. Does that make sense? You guys, unfortunately, rarely there are those of us that sing songs consciously and reflect on God's character and the many good things that he has done for us. So often we just say or sing the words, praise the Lord or hallelujah, and we just get stuck in a routine or a repetition of saying words, and I'm going to challenge you tonight, okay? Don't let that be you. When you sing worship songs, whether it's a song that you have heard for the upteenth time this week, right, or you don't even know the words to the song, you're not feeling it, you're feeling down. When you sing those songs, or as the church is singing that song, as this youth group sings that song, reflect on what God has done for you. There is some form, some way that you can come before him and praise him and thank him for what he has done. Ultimately, you guys, when we obey the command to praise God and worship, our need to be in relationship with God, it's nurtured, it's cared for, it's encouraged, and ultimately, it grows. Number three, worship centers our attention on the attributes of God. You guys, what are attributes? 
Hmm? Characteristics. Who is that? <laughs> Sam, good job. You can teach this one, right? The third thing worship does for us is that it gets our attention centered on the characteristics of God, okay? And, that, and the fact that he is just holy. That's what it does, what, what it should do. The psalm that we are going over is going to be focusing on describing the things that God does, okay? One, that he's good, he's merciful forever, and that his truth, his genuineness, remains through all difficulty, um, every time we worship, our minds are informed or even reminded of his decisions. Our memories are refreshed with what he has done, the ways he is working within us to sanctify us. Sanctifying us, I think we've talked about this before, it's being made holy, it's being set apart, it's being made new. It's God making us holy as he is holy. All right. And so when we worship God, it's actually another way of us drawing closer to God and becoming more or pursuing more of his holiness. All right, so let's dig into this, this psalm, okay? I'm going to read it verse by verse. And as we read, I'm just going to explain, give you guys little definitions. All right, Psalm 100. I thought it was funny. Mine says this is a psalm of Thanksgiving. And here we are in Thanksgiving, like November, Thanksgiving time. Verse 1, you guys. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. This verse, you guys, just straight up teaches that the Lord rules over all the earth. And when we shout with joy, it's an expression of gratitude for his power. Have any of you guys ever walked in the redwoods and taken in the giganticness, the strength, the power of those trees, the girth of those trunks, right? And it's just impressive to behold. How many of you guys have ever climbed a mountain that was like maybe 10,000 feet high? Yeah? <laughs> Caleb, yes, been there. Some of us have even like seen a waterfall. Maybe seen it from a distance. Maybe you've been close to it, swam in it, like went behind a waterfall. Like those things are impressive, right? Like the, you're taken back by the power, by the strength, by the beauty of it. My ultimate favorite though is holding a newborn child in my arms. Have any of you guys ever experienced that? <laughs> to really take in perfection from the little ears all the way to their tiny, you know, toenails. To me, it's just, wow, God, you are so good. And it's in that, you guys, that I really believe that we see God's glory, that we see a glimpse of his mag magnificence, his beauty, his splendor. And in my opinion, it's those things, those, those elements of his creation that's, that show me like a little bit of heaven. All right? It's, it's those things that cause us to just sit in awe and wonder, exclaim maybe even at times and wonder, just like, wow, God, this is amazing. It helps us to appreciate the creativity, the time and energy that was put into creating this world. And it doesn't change when we look from person to person in this room. Verse 2, you guys. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Verse 2 shows us that worship is a service to the Lord. And we should enjoy it and we express it when we sing with joy. I can't help but think of Disney princesses. I know I used this for middle schoolers, and the boys were like, what? What are you talking about? I'm sorry, guys. If you don't watch Disney movies, it's totally cool, but I know most of you probably have some exposure. So anyways, I think, I think of like Princess Cinderella, Rapunzel, I think of Snow White, and even Aurora. Huh? Elsa? No. Not Elsa. Well, yes, Elsa would be a good one, too. 
Literally, despite their life being traumatic, Elsa, boring, Elsa, right? Same old, same old, day, day in, day out, that's also Elsa. Abusive, kind of Elsa, right? Hard or simply just good. Like, as much as Elsa had a hard life, she also was very sheltered and was pretty good, right? Um, they each have an attitude, you guys, that at some point caused them to do what? To sing, right? They all sing, and they all have, like, cheerfulness about the singing. And Cinderella, I always think of her, like, scrubbing the floors and, like, having such a good attitude about it. Moana? There we go. <laughs> Moana was like, I'm out. <laughs> Done. <laughs> she did. She did. You guys are ultimately, like, we have some Disney princess, not the guys, that speak to us in some way, right? And we can't help but fall in love with them just because they ooze goodness, right? But let's really think, sorry, sorry. Trauma, do you think, do you connect with Moana? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but you're not even Hawaiian or Samoan. Moana is Samoan. <laughs> We've had this talk before. <laughs> I want to bring you guys to a real character in life, one that you guys can all relate to or at some like look up to in some way. I'm going to bring you to Jesus Christ. He also served. And he also praised God in a very real way, even though his life at times did get rough. The thing I think about the most is when he actually cleaned his disciples' feet. Okay? And I know that he did this on multiple occasions and not just the one time that we read about. Now, I was bringing up to my kids today, we were talking about just the sewage systems that we have nowadays, what it looks like. We were talking about like water filtration and like you don't see where our sewage goes when you flush the toilet or when you take a shower or when you wash dishes. You don't see where all that goes, but back then it would go into the streets. Yeah, they tried to have some form of like um, some form of a, a, a system, but still everything was dirty. So the way I put this to the middle schoolers, I'm gonna have you guys do it. Imagine that you're walking around in a farm, at a farm, okay, barefoot, the entire day, and you're doing everything that you need to do on a farm. Cleaning, okay, putting things away, work in the fields, all of that. By the end of the day, you have everything on your feet. Everything, okay? Even, even the poop, okay? All of that. So back then, that's how it was also. It wasn't like the best situation, but who got on his hands and knees and literally cleaned his disciples' feet? It was Jesus. He served, you guys, and he did it with joy, and he said he did it with love. That, to me, is like, wow, I don't know if I can do it. I got relish on me, and I'm like, I can't wait to change, you know? Like, did any of us jump up and help Gabe clean up? No. Whoa, you know? Like, <laughs> you guys get this. Jesus says that we should do the same for others. We should do the same for others. We should lay down our lives, not just for those who are lost and broken, but ultimately for him. It's a form of worship when we glorify him in that way, when we choose to serve others with a joyfulness, with a joyfulness that causes us to sing before him, give him praise and thank him. So how is God calling you to worship him? In what area or how is he calling you to obey him, to serve whether it's hard or easy. Is he calling you to serve a sibling, do their chores, help them with their homework, help them through a hard time? Is he asking you to serve your neighbor raking leaves, taking out their trash? I don't know, befriend 
that one person at your school that you know is weird, maybe looks weird, smells weird, or is totally ostracized for what? What reason? Don't you have that ability to go up to that person and in that moment that you're saying hi and acknowledging that person as a human being, you're praising God. Don't you have that ability? Yeah. And again, Jesus got on his hands and knees and served in such a beautiful way that I think we all need to remember at times. It's in those moments, you guys, when you choose to obey, do the right thing, do the hard thing, do it for God and serve others, again, out of love, that God is glorified. That's when his light is seen and it's made special to those around you. It brings others to God. Serving God isn't always easy. Okay, I can be the first one to say that. And Josh just admitted like him being slightly overwhelmed and stuff like that. It's not easy when we serve. It's not easy doing ministry all the time. It's not easy to be a good parent, to be a good sibling, whatever. Like put yourself wherever you need to be. But when we do it, we do it with the right heart and attitude. An attitude that causes us to sing again. That is worship, okay? That's worship, and it blesses God, and it causes others to see his glory. Verse three, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I'm gonna keep this one really simple, you guys. Verse three reminds us that the Lord is in control of all things. He is our creator, and we belong to him. Short and simple, okay? The idea with this is that we were created to worship something in this life. God hopes it's him, but he didn't make robots. He gave us a choice, but he did give us creation. And so in that, you guys, we have a daily struggle. Who are you gonna worship? Are you gonna worship God or are you gonna worship God's creation? And the way that that looks is, do you worship God or do you worship yourself? How vain are you about yourself? Are you going to worship God or are you going to worship that celebrity? What has that celebrity done for you that you need to give them that much attention? Are you going to worship God or that, that sport, that hobby? Oh, <laughs> that face you made. <laughs> are you going to worship that hobby? You know, which, which takes precedence in your life first, first place? You know, for my son, I, I like hit on games, video games, and he was just like, Mom, I felt that. I was listening to you. I'm like, oh, good. Don't ask me for games today then, please. <laughs> you have other things. So, yes, you guys, you will either worship God or you will worship his creation. Simple as that. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Verse 4 talks about coming into the Lord's presence with gratitude gratitude and praise. And we all know this. We all know that we need to be thankful. We all need to like have a good attitude. We know that, right? We hear about that over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to bring a different perspective for you guys. When I was about, uh, when I was about 26, 27, that's when I first picked up the guitar. That's when I first picked up the guitar and I brought it to the Lord, just very humbly, very broken. And I just asked him to give me a reason to sing. Lord, I just need a reason to sing. I need a reason to be thankful. I need a reason to have a good attitude right now. Can you please give me that reason? And you see, you guys, we were going through, Josh and I were experiencing another family divorce, or he was experiencing another family divorce. I was experiencing my very first one. I had never experienced anything like this in my life. Um, it was Josh's parents, after 20 years of marriage, um, Tom just decided that he was going to up and leave. 
And this was a man that I was closer to than my own father. And Josh's mom, I'm closer to her than I am my own mom. So to watch your parents that have spoken into your life, and we were five years into our marriage, that, that coached us, that encouraged us in our first five years marriage, first five years that had two little ones by this time, they were there. And they poured into me. To have them all of a sudden just like fall apart, and they, they were believers also, strong in the Lord. And to like see all of this ugliness, all this confusion, all of these unhealthy behaviors and emotions come up and out, it was hard to take in. I watched my mother-in-law, again, whom I admired, just fall to pieces and start doing things that I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why am I catching you in lies? Having to tell Josh, who's not only watching his mom go through this a second time, but he himself personally is losing another father figure. Again, not for the first time, but for the second time. And I was watching him struggle with emotions and handling how does he handle his mom? How does he handle his sister? How does he handle his own wife and kids? And I was kind of put in this place of like, you're going to be fine. You're going to figure this out. Just deal with it. This is what happens when divorce happens. So just deal with it. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I was just as lost and broken as my mother-in-law, as Josh, as Sarah, even my own two little kids, Ellie, who loved Tom and was forgetting him and asking for him. She was only four at the time, you guys. Like she even, I had to like hold her emotions. And I just felt myself so weighed down and so consumed with these thoughts of, this is never gonna get better. What the heck do I do? How do I do this? I can't even like, I, I can't even help my hubby. My hubby and I are not even getting along because this woman over here is acting crazy like a 16 year old or something like that because what's happening? <laughs> I was just so confused, you guys. And so I literally sat before the Lord this one day with this guitar that Josh's brother had actually left. It wasn't even mine. He had left it in my possession. And I just literally brought it before the Lord. I was like, I need to get out of this mind frame. How do I praise you? How do I thank you? How do I worship you when my whole life has been turned upside down at this moment? How do I do this? Can you please teach me? Give me a reason to sing. And you guys, I kid you not, it was from that moment on that I started learning chords, started learning how to sing with playing. And that's not something that comes easily. And if any of you guys are, are musicians in here, you know the struggle. It's very hard, yes. Softy's up here going, uh-huh. <laughs> it is. And so every time, you guys, that I am up there on that stage, which I, I hate being in that spotlight right there because I just don't like that attention, it's very much a reminder for me, you guys, that it's not me, that it's God. I don't play any other songs other than worship, and that's not me because I'm, like, holier than all of you guys. It's literally because I cannot learn. Other than um, Parks and Rec, the pit, <laughs> I fell in the pit. Like, I can play that. It's literally G and C, and you switch back and forth, and, like, Josh and I will just, like, randomly start singing that and playing on the guitar. But other than that, you guys, I can't learn anything else besides worship songs. And I really feel like that's the Lord going, no, you asked me to give you a reason to sing, and I gave you a reason to sing, and this is going to be the tool that you use to glorify me and to lead others into worship. And I absolutely love it. Can I, I wish I could learn a couple songs, other songs, but it's, it's just horrible. It sounds really bad. But you guys, some of us have those compulsive habits and behaviors that have built up into a pattern in our life which there seems to be no escape from. Maybe you constantly are lying. 
you just find yourself lying to whoever for whatever reason. Maybe you don't even really need to lie, but you're just a habitual liar, and so you just do it. Maybe it's the need to steal. And again, maybe it's not like stealing big things. Maybe it's just little things like stealing gum from Starbucks or from the candy store or whatever. Like, it's so easy, you guys. You can walk around and literally pick up something. Again, compulsive. Constantly thinking about the next video game or play or next video game to play or the next TV show to watch, okay? Netflix, like Josh has said before, it makes it really easy to just binge and just literally turn off and veg, especially after a long day. <sighs> Maybe some of you guys have an attitude that life or people that are in your life are straight up just not fair, that your life is not fair, that it should be better, that you deserve more, that you're entitled to more. And you guys, maybe even some of you are addicted for that need to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend to give you that attention, to fill that gap in your life where you, there's a void, to like, whatever, give you that happiness. At this point, you guys, you have to ask yourself, how did you get there? How did you let this thing gain so much power in your life? To the point where literally that's an idol. You have chosen, right? You're daily gonna choose to worship God or you're gonna choose to worship your idol. So which, which is it that you're giving more attention to? Well, you gave that idol attention and you went to that idol for comfort. You looked to it for happiness. You worshiped your way into that idol. And you guys, you need to worship God to get away from that idol. Okay? So as much, and that's what I did when I picked up that guitar. I was so consumed with the thoughts, with the emotions, with the sadness, with the depression, all of that. I was so consumed with that that I had to worship my way out. And that's what I begged God for. Give me a reason to sing. And you guys, this, um, this next verse, I think, will help you guys put into practice the way that you can worship God the right way. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Verse 5 speaks of God's goodness, his eternal love, and his continual faithfulness. This is the practice of gazing on the glory of God. Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This is describing a person that is being transformed, changing, okay? How is, how is that happening? Well, it's that person, that person is beholding the glory of the Lord. This isn't talking about heaven. It's talking about here now. So the idea is like you're not going to become more like God in heaven. It's no, you can be transformed here and now. It's a daily walk, something that you can do, right? Being sanctified. God is sanctifying you. When you read God's word, when you gather with God's people, when you see his creation, you catch a glimpse of his greatness and the glory and the character of Christ. And it changes you. I'm going to read you a little bit about what beholding is. Uh, to behold. Does anybody know what that definition is? It's to look steadily. It's to look intently. I had a few middle schoolers like, full on stare. I'm like, yes, but slightly different. You are looking steadily. Okay, You are looking intently, but it's with admiration. It's with surprise. Okay? Yeah, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
To behold is when you gaze upon. And when you gaze upon the glory of God, what you're doing is ultimately you're gazing upon the beauty of God, which is pure beauty, his holiness. You guys, we were made for relationship. We were made to gaze truly at each other, to truly see and look at one another. You know, many of us can say, can probably say that it's hard for us to like gaze at ourselves in the mirror at times because when we do that for any long extent or period of time, we start seeing the blemishes, we start seeing the imperfections, or maybe we're even reminded of the horrible things that we had just done the night before or that day, right? It's easy for us to remember those things when we look at ourselves. But when we are gazed upon by others, you guys know that what they see is God, God's image, God's glory in you. And if you don't know that, then I give you this challenge to try. I've had my kids do this a couple of times. They call it the gaze challenge. When they're fighting really bad with each other, they're just not getting along. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Stare at each other five minutes. Go. <laughs> and it's hilarious because it always starts out with the deep glares, right? And just like, I'm so disgusted with you right now. You even get the sighs. You get the eye rolls and all of that. But you guys, by minute three, they're giggling. And they're making funny faces at each other. And they're smiling at each other. And they're even reminded, like, oh, I like you. I love you. Like, yes, I'm going to fight with you probably as soon as this challenge is over. But here in this moment, I do. I really like you and I love you. And you guys, that's how God looks at us. Okay? And he doesn't have to be challenged. Right? But if you need to be challenged to, like, look at people, inform them first before you just stare at them intently. Okay? But let them know, like, I want to see God's beauty in you. And I challenge you guys, put on Jesus' eyes. You don't have to like stare at somebody for five minutes to truly see God's beauty, their ho- like his holiness in them, how he's created them, the specific personality traits, the, the specific features that he's given them that make them them. You don't have to stare at somebody for five minutes. If that's what you need to do in order to get yourself into a practice of gazing and beholding God's goodness and his love for us, then all right, do it. But ultimately, like, Hopefully, we don't have to. You know, Mark, like, when you think of your girlfriend, you automatically have a picture of her in your head, right? Yeah, and you know exactly what features you love about her. You guys, that's the same idea with one another, but dig a little deeper. What characteristics, personality, traits? What makes you you? What were you purposed and designed for? Can you see that in others? Because if you, if you can, that's because you're looking just past this. You're truly looking at their heart. And that's where God wants you guys to look, is inside. It's at the heart. What's up, Shannon? I just heard Dig a Little Deeper and I've got a princess and frog. Dig a little deeper, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm having my girls do uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the spirit. Liz, go. (laughs) Not Mia. She's already giving me the... Issa? There you go. That, you guys, are the characteristics of God. And when we choose to look upon each other, thank you, Issa. When we choose to look at each other and dig a little deeper, as Shannon was saying, we will see those things. And we will, we will be beholding God's glory and finding another way in which to worship him and praise him for his goodness. So ultimately, what is worship? It's an understanding that God has called you. He's saved you. He's doing a work in you. 
that while he's doing work in you, you are hopefully exercising what he has been teaching you by following his commands, choosing to be thankful for all that he has done and is doing in your life. And lastly, you're asking him to make you more like him, full of his glory, full of his character, and full of his holiness. The call to worship isn't a call to perfection, okay? I'm not telling you guys never make mistakes, never make the wrong choices, okay? If that were the case, no one would be able to fulfill this call of worship. And God knows that. Worship isn't about being perfect. It's about loving God. It's about loving, respecting him, and all that he is so much that you just can't help but worship him again. Praise the Lord. You know, like you can't help but just jump for joy and exclaim his goodness. Praise him with songs. Praise him with your words. Praise him with your actions. And most importantly, praise him with your life. Bless you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this, uh, this time, Father, where we can dig a little bit deeper into who you are. Lord, I ask again that you would reveal to each one, in, each one in this room, Father, how you would call us, how you want us to worship you. In what ways, Father, do we need to sacrifice our lives for you? In what ways do we need to obey you, whether it's hard or easy? Father, would you please give each of us that challenge or that directive, Father, of how we can apply this lesson to our lives daily, Father. Lord, I pray for anybody that has um, felt conviction this night. Lord, I ask that they wouldn't leave this room just brushing it off, but instead, Lord, that they would truly ask for accountability and put into practice what they need to so that way they can be closer to you and so that way they can be a fuller version of themselves. Thank you again, Father, for this time. And in your name I pray, amen. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.